song 211. We got a quick testimony here from our brother Ellie Cozera. said, my wife and I would like to thank God for healing my wife's father from a heart disease. God bless you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. He's the healer of our hearts, both naturally and physically, amen, and spiritually. Amen. Let's just sing this song.
Daniel, could I have you come and open up a word into prayer? Nice to see you here tonight. Brother Gil Ashdown has written in a prayer request for uh, a family, um, a man he met named Kevin and his wife named Karen. Uh, she had a, a disease that she knew about that she carried, and uh, they didn't know that it could spread. And the, the children, um, ages 16 and 14, have now contacted this disease. Um, one of the children are in the children's hospital and isn't able to come home at this time and then the other is is managing with it now at home but we would brother gill says he acknowledged uh he acknowledged the church and brother gill says we would be bringing the urgent need before the people believing for a miracle we don't believe anything happens for a chance amen let's just sing that chorus one more time if you have a need just raise it before the lord Jesus Christ, we come before you, Lord. Lord, it's indeed what thrills our souls. It's you, Jesus Christ. Nothing on this world, O oh God, can quench our thirst, can give us the peace, Lord, that surpasses all understanding. And then the name of Jesus Christ. O oh God, in that powerful name, lay our healing, Lord Jesus. All of our fullness of satisfaction is in the name of Jesus. And so we come before you, O God, with the name of Jesus Christ on our lips, bringing this request, O Father, of this lady Karen, O God, concerning the children. We pray may the power of the name of Jesus Christ go on the behalf of right, right now, Lord Jesus. We don't know the old case, Father, but we pray and we believe, Lord, that you will even come right now, Father, and you will touch this need, O oh God. You are a healer, Lord Jesus. O oh God, I want to ask to believe you, Father. Lord, we just want to extend this faith also, God, to this lady. Lord, to the rest of the family, that you will do even exceedingly and abundantly, Father. Lord, more than the request that was bent down, more than, Lord Jesus, just the, the desire that they have in their heart, even touch the soul, oh God, even change the whole circumstance, Lord Jesus, because we call upon your name, Father. Oh God, we come before you, committing the service in your hands, Lord Jesus. Lord, your servant do not know the hard desire that we have. Lord Jesus, there is so many hands that have been lifted. Oh God, so many unspoken requests. Family that needs you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, different needs, Lord Jesus. But we come before you. May you come, Lord God. Quench our thirst, Lord Jesus, this evening. That, oh God, our brother Michael, when he will stand, it's not going to be a man standing, Lord Jesus, but the angel of the Lord himself. Oh God, we be coming, Lord, on the scene to touch the desire of each person tonight. From the youngest to the oldest, Lord Jesus, we believe in you, oh God. 
We just want to give you the service, Father. We pray that you will permeate, oh God, every atmosphere, Lord Jesus, in this place. That, oh God, there will be nothing that will hinder you to come. If there is any sin, oh God, among us, we pray that you will forgive us. Oh God, we just want to lay prostrate before your presence. That you will penetrate our mind, Lord Jesus. Oh God, if there is anything that, that's hindering you, oh Lord, we pray that you will cast it away. That you will come, Lord, so freely tonight. Oh God, we so want to see you, Lord, moving. Lord, we trust in you, Father. We pray that you will take the service once again under your control. We thank you for the testimony, oh God, that was brought, Lord, before your presence tonight. Lord, we pray and we believe that there will be more testimony even at the end of the service, Lord Jesus. To you be all the glory as we dedicate ourselves to you once again. For your own glory we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. seats tonight. Could you just play Pour Your Spirit Out on Me. Uh, for Brother Henry, there's a memorial service next Wednesday, uh, May 27th at noon here at the church. So come and support the family and just remember them in prayer continually. Amen. Let's just sing this song, Lord I Seek You. Yeah. 
worship the Lord, worship the Lord. While we sing this song, I'm just thinking about the words, and sometimes we can, we might sing a song a lot, but the words, and we can get caught up in the words, but let's think about the words. I, I really enjoy that second verse where it says, have patience, just wait and see. When God seem, may seem to be silent, that's when he's working. A lot of times we go through hard times or, or times in our lives where it seems God's not doing anything. That's when he's working on you. That's when he's doing something big. Amen. So why, when we sing the song, let's just remember to think on those words. Amen. Oh, God will not reject
There's no one worthy but you, oh God. You are worthy, oh God. You are worthy, oh Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, we worship you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's just sing, I love him, I love him. song worship worship the Lord Lord I placed myself Lord if I could in your temple in your courts of praise and Lord I can just Lord Lord lift up my hands and my voice Lord Lord as we've just come through this Easter season Lord as you bore our sins on your shoulders hung upon the cross of shame oh God we can, the least we can do, Lord, is to worship you. Lord, that we can lift our, open our mouths and just scream, I love you, Lord Jesus. Oh, for you took my sin and my shame. You bore my agony. You bore my, my nakedness. You did that for me, oh God. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's why we're here tonight, just to express our love for you, oh God. Lord, in the sweetness of this atmosphere, would you hear our cry? Would you hear the heart, Lord? Maybe not in voice, even maybe it's quiet, but Lord, surely the hearts are, Lord, lifted up. They're bursting, Lord, within, saying, Lord, I just love you tonight. I thank you tonight. I just want to give my life, my all to you tonight, Lord. That's why we're here, Lord Jesus, to worship. Lord, we invite you. Lord, we know we sent your nearness, Lord, even now. We love the sweetness of your presence, Lord. 
we surely do. And so, Lord, you're invited indeed, as your prophet said, you're a gentleman. Come when you're invited. And so, Lord, we invite you. Be present, Lord, we pray tonight. May you take your word. You know the heart's needs. You know, Lord, the burdens. Lord, you know my heart's burden, Lord. I pray you take, Lord, my thoughts, Lord, my lips, Lord, would you just take complete control. Meet your people, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Good to see each one of you. Let's just turn in our Bibles. Thank you, musicians. To Genesis 42. Amen. I want to say thank you to all that have been helping, like busy little beavers here over the last few weeks. We've got lots done and more to do, and appreciate the burdens that each one of you have. We have Different ones on the weekend I know will be coming up. We just want to thank you and Butter Surge, different ones that are working on these doors. They look brand new, don't they? My goodness. <laughs> I love them. They look so, so wonderful. Amen. Thank you so much. The Lord sees each little, every minute that you've put into his house. Amen. Lord, help me tonight. Just going to take a little thought. My, I'm sure the other brothers know you wrestle and you wrestle and you wrestle and my Lord, help me. I'm still wrestling. <laughs> Lord, just take maybe a little bit of a morsel tonight. I, the words of the song, He will never leave the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Amen. And we'll just take a little thought tonight even in that, in that order. So let's turn. Maybe we'll go Genesis 41 and... Uh, I'll start at 53. In the seven years of, of plenteous, plenty, plenteousness, <laughs> that's quite the word, plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph hath said. And the dearth was in the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto them, Egyptians, go unto Joseph, what he saith to you do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And we're going to just jump into 42. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt... Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look upon one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn. And Egypt, go down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. We're going to jump to Amos 8. If you can, Amos 8. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. I'll help you out. <laughs> I use that song in Sunday school all the time. <laughs> Especially for Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. <laughs> That'll get you in the right place. 
Amos 8. Remember, the famine was in the land of Egypt as you turn. Jacob said, I saw that there was corn, and I heard that there was corn. Get down thither and buy it from us thence. And then in Amos 8, 11, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. How terrible. They'll wander coast to coast, pole to pole, running, seeking, and shall not find it. God help this generation. Amen. You may have your seats tonight. You know, we all know the story of Joseph. We do indeed. We know the famine that was, it was prophesied, the dearth that was coming into the land. And Joseph was placed in the position that he was and started to gather in those years of plenty. And we, I, I don't know if we, I, I try to always place myself into the feet of, of the scripture, so to say, and I, famine, what a terrible time. I, you know, it's a horrible circumstance on the earth, and it's actually something we've never suffered. We've never suffered famine. And so it's hard maybe for us to even really understand it, what a famine truly is and what it truly does. And uh, as we would know in English, we could sympathize, but we could not empathize to someone that's been in a famine because we've never been there. It's extreme scarcity of food. Generally, famine is food, extreme scarcity of food. It, it's still, there's, there's a teeny bit of food around. It's just, it's not all gone, but it's extremely scarce. And very, very, very few are able to obtain enough to even stay healthy. And there's been famines over the years, all over the earth. And uh, it's quite astounding if you actually even go within the last hundred years even, how, much, how many people have actually died in famine. The Irish potato famine, it killed about two to three million. There was multiple famines in India, and they killed the Bengal famine. It killed three to five million. Then there was the Great Bengal famine, and it killed more, 10 million. And then another one killed even more in, this, in a period of even from the, in the 1700s, in a period of like 30 years, about 30 million people died of famine. Russian famine, 1921 to 22, killed five million. Northern China famine, 1876, 9.5 to 13 million. Chinese famine in 1907, 25 million. Great Chinese famine in the 59 and 61. That wasn't that long ago. Some of you were all alive. That was upwards 20 plus to even some say up to 50 plus million people died. No food. That's just in the past 100 years. Not to think about even beyond the last few centuries of how many people have died of starvation. I know it's going to be quiet here for a while. That's okay. 
that's okay. Starvation. It's actually one of the top ten worst ways to die. There's lots of ways to die. Starvation being at the top. It's severe deficiency of your calorie, caloric energy intake. And it goes below the level needed to maintain your, your life and your organism and your body or anybody's body. It's an extreme form of malnutrition. And prolonged starvation will cause organ damage. And it takes about one to two months to die. People starve. You can usually lose up to about 18 to 20% of your body mass. And that's basically the limit of what we can handle. And generally, ladies survive longer than men. Our body sips into, slips into a bit of phases as we go through a, a, a phase of starvation. And we go into phase one and we skip a meal and we skip a few more. And the body tries to maintain its blood sugar levels. It tries to maintain some energy. And so it starts producing glycogen in the liver and breaking down some of the stored fat and protein as it doesn't have immediate ways to get sugar, maybe in some easy, simple carbs. And so it tries to work to the glycogen area. And that's where it would go after some hours of, of no food. And then if we push it even more and we decide to go maybe a week or so past no food, we start to even go deeper into the fat stores and trying to, again, our body starts to try and break that and turn our fat into some ketones. And after fasting for even more than that, the brain, it starts to try and use these ketones and any available glucose or sugar to try and keep the brain going. Of course, that's going to be where the body's going to focus most of its, of its energy as it can. If we want to dip into phase three as we go multiple weeks now without food, by this point, our fat is gone and it's broken down and we have none of that left. And the body begins to turn it to the stored protein, which would be your muscles. And so it starts to work down and break your muscles down. It needs to break down the muscles, these tissues quickly. It's, protein is essential for our cells to work quickly. And it, when that runs out, then the cells no longer function. And so our body essentially starts to eat itself as it tries to sustain itself as you're not putting anything into it. And really at the final stage of starvation, we get skin flaking and color loss and swelling of the extremities. And we see, you'd see pictures of a bloated belly. And in fact, people don't actually feel hungry anymore. They kind of lose that in that final stage. And really, it's actually because your body is so weak and so broken down that you actually die of infection or something of that nature, potentially, because you actually can't even fight it. You just have nothing there left. Your immune system is really in havoc. And you can't even fend off any, any, anything in your body, any bacteria, any viruses. And that is your, that's starvation. You know, I looked... I looked at pictures. Boy, that's hard. One in ten go hungry in the world right now. Out of seven and a half or so billion people, it's about three-quarter million, if you want to get into it. Three-quarters of a billion, sorry, people are in some sort of food shortage. Famines are hell on earth. And I wouldn't even, I try, I, wanted, I, I couldn't show, I was going to show some photos, I couldn't do it. It's, they're too difficult for people to see. But you know, when someone goes into famine, people start doing some very drastic things because their body needs food. Their body needs it, it's craving for it. And so you start to go into a period, someone will go, they'll go into the garbage dump, they'll do whatever it takes to get food. 
They're not just going to sit there and do nothing. Because the body is dying, it needs, to li- it needs life, it needs food, it needs intake, it needs energy, it needs something to drive it. And so people will go through some extreme measures just to get some food. We can't even probably even understand or probably put ourselves into the, and we have famines in, in different areas of our world, but we have, what, when we scroll to the scripture in Genesis, we go in what would be called a universal famine. It was all over, pretty much affecting everybody. And this is really where Jacob found himself. In, in the scriptures, as you read, and Jacob was in this famine in Egypt with nothing there. And Jacob, they had a very great, very great need for food. And Jacob, I can imagine sitting there in, in, in the, with his sons. And scripture says he had three score and six, I believe 66 people or so in his camp, and he had a burden upon him. He said, I got to feed 66 mouths in a great famine. And even to fill one of this mouth would have been a very daunting task. And here he has the burden, a very great need of 66 on his shoulders. And to even have one person rendered to just skin and bone would have been a very brutal brutal position to have, but now he's got 66 of his family members that he's having to, to look for food, and his need is incredibly great. It just isn't a great need. It was an essential need for food. We can go without clothing. We can go with minimal clothing, even without any clothing. We can go without shelter. We can, do the, we can get by with those things, but try and get by without food. It's not going to happen. You're going to eventually die. Okay, no clothes. You can you can let go of some of these luxuries, and and here this was this wasn't just you know some you know well you know I, I, I you know the tent we can go without the tent or or something like that nature, or, but no it was it was food that they lacked. They lacked bread is what they lacked, and they needed it, which was essential to life. And the cry, you know, the cry. Someone says, "Oh no, there's a fire." Well, that. that it has a certain hit on your heart, or, oh my goodness, a fire, we better attend to it, or something like that. But, you know, if somebody is there, and, and I can't personally attest to it, but if somebody came up, and they were starved, and they're saying, and crying out, I need bread, that hits a little deeper. And this was the need that Jacob and the tribe were in. They were in a total need. Their need was total. You know, as long as they had a little bit, they could just get by. You know, they could ration. They could squeak by. They could moderate what they had. But there come a point where they had nothing, or they were going to come to nothing. And Jacob was foreseeing this. And you look in the future, and they could see their children dying with hunger, and not one little crust that they could even, even give them to diminish their pangs of hunger. And they could see, foresee that in the future, if we don't do something here, their wives sickening you know, before them, their little babies would be, would be passing without nourishment. And they saw it at length just a solitary, miserable group of people, men with their hands just, and their skin and bone, and crawling through their tents because they're... They were looking at total loss, nothing, no food, zero, zilch. They had a total lack of bread. Their need was total. It was great. It was essential. And in some cases, convinced that there was at some point nowhere to go. And if you look at the scripture, Jacob said unto them, he says, why do you look upon one another? That's what the scripture says. He says, why do you look upon one another? 
It's like they had something to give. You know, I can imagine Simeon or was going to Dan or one of the different tribes saying, hey, do you have something? We've run out in our, in our family here. Do you have something to spare? And so they were probably looking to one another to try and help each other out. My child is starving. He needs some food. Do you have anything? And at some point, Simeon or Dan, whoever said, I can't give you nothing. In fact, I'm flat out myself. Well, where do we go? It was looking hopeless. And in speechless, in the silence, they resigned themselves maybe to the woe which threatened them or to overwhelm them. And as Jacob said, why do you look on one another? It's because they looked at a hopeless situation. There's no food. We're in a famine, and my family is dying. Sobering. I know you're quiet. That's okay. Because that is hitting, it hits us. Like I said, I can look at a little picture, and I looked at some little videos of the little babies and such that are barely even making it, and that strikes our hearts. But I would ask you today, if that is so terrible, 10 billion times terrible is spiritual famine. I want every single image that you could conjure up in your mind of the worst, worst famine and the images of that, of a dying child or a human or whatever or an animal and bones you see in a desert laying just, just in the dust because they didn't have food, just every mental image you can find and times it by a billion billion. And that's spiritual famine. It's way worse. But it's in the background. It's kind of not there in our mind. Scripture says famine for hearing the word of God. That is worse than the famine that was in Genesis. Worse than any famine that's transpired over the face of the planet that people have died in because it's not a natural death. It's a spiritual death. Death forever, gone. Hell and gone. God help us tonight as we speak about this word that we can hear the word of God. That there is no famine for hearing the word of God in this church, in this area. Amen? Mm. But Abraham says, now we're going to type that with the spiritual drought of today. Now we all know we're very aware there's a great spiritual drought. Spiritually speaking, you know it was predicted by the prophets just before the second coming of Christ. Is that now? That's now. There'd be a famine, we're not with bread, for, not for, or for bread and water, but for hearing the word of God. They go from sea to sea, as the scripture we've just read. That's right, he goes, we don't need bread. We got plenty. We got plenty to eat, plenty of clothes to wear, nice homes to live in and everything. But there's a famine for hearing the word of the God. And man, don't know what to believe. How terrible. How terrible. And how many are spiritually in the plight that Jacob was in here? If we look at their sons and we look at what, what, what the, the state of the famine that was in here in the scripture, and how if you look at that on a spiritual side, what a great need, someone that is in a spiritual famine. And if they're sitting there in their life, and I would say whether in the building or, or on, a, on a streaming or in an archives sometime, check, your, check yourself against your need. And, and, and someone that is in, in maybe their spiritual condition, Look at what we just went through where Jacob could be and how, how brutal that would be. But a sinner's place is worse. His necessity for Christ is a great need. 
His necessities aren't just for a little bit of food. His necessities are for the only, for the infinite one that can supply him mercy. Amen. And here, Jacob, in his, in what he needed, he had, a, he had a great need. But there's a sinner. All the manna could come down from heaven. All the, all the water could have come from the rock. But it would not quench or be sufficient for the thirst of a sinner. It wouldn't matter. Amen. Such is the need or the greatness of the sinner's need. He needs the greatest mercy. He needs mercy. And it's essential that he gets it. You know, if it were wealth, or if it was health, if it were comfort that you're seeking, he said, well, I could do without it. A sinner could let it pass by. But in the matter of the soul, the soul that's hungering and craving, I desire something. The soul needs salvation. We can talk of bread and skeleton bodies. And they're frightful that we look on those and say, oh, I can't even look at that. But when we speak of the lack of bread or the dying, perishing souls, that should be so much more frightful to us. Essential and total to the sinner. It's not that he just needs a little bit of grace, or it's not that he even has a little bit of grace and he just needs a little more, but he has none. Zero. It's not that he has a little bit of goodness or a little bit of merit. He has nothing. It's total and completely empty. He cannot approach Christ with some little merit. Well, I did just a little bit here. You did zero. You merit nothing. You have nothing to offer, nothing to give. And that's the state that he's in. He has total loss. He's penniless. He's poverty stricken. And everything is gone. He could gnaw on his own dry bones of his own good works, and they would gnaw them in vain. Nothing he can do, nothing the sinner can do, nothing you or I could do. And if we search the earth, there's nowhere a sinner could go. Not a place. Nowhere, no how. He could dig to the depths. If we said it's down, you could find it. You could find safety down in the depths of the earth. The sinner could dig, dig, dig if he could, and he wouldn't find it there. He'd try if he could climb to the heavens if he could. He would, he would swim to the deepest oceans. He would go through a fire, whatever, but it can't. There's nothing on earth, nowhere, no how, that is going to save the sinner's soul. It comes from above. And that is the state that a sinner is in just as Jacob was, and here we are in a land of famine. And we have nothing on our own here, hungering, Maybe seem hopeless, for nothing on earth can be found as satisfying the raving hunger of a soul. Bleak. <laughs> yeah. Don't be so saddened, saints. But Jacob said, go back to your scripture. Let's read it with me. But Jacob said, Jacob said, I heard there is corn in Egypt. Oh my, I don't know what happened. I don't know how Jacob got that. 
I don't know if he was, I'm sure he was praying, oh God, we need something. We're running out of food. He looked at a really desperate situation. He saw his family dead, but he knew there was a promise. I'm sorry. He knew his father Abraham had been promised that it would be as the stars, as the sands of, of the earth, of the sea. He said, no, no God, there's got to be something for me. He had no clue Joseph was out there. And so he was praying, I know there's going to be something. And then something must have struck him, whether God showed it to him or some passerby. I don't really care what it was. But he said to his sons, I've heard that there's corn in Egypt. Why are you looking at each other? Why are you looking so despairingly? We ain't going to die because there's food in the land. Amen. Yes, sir. Joseph was in the land. He didn't even know it. He didn't know who it was. But Joseph was there. Oh, my, I love it. Joseph was there, which we know because we're looking back. But he was living it. He had no clue what was going on. But Joseph was there to preserve life, everything that he had gone through, because God said, I have seed to preserve. I have life to preserve because out of Judah will come my, the, the son of David will come to, to free men from their sins, and I have to preserve the line. So, Joseph, I know you got to go out there. I'm going to send you out. i got to have you do certain things, but it's because i got life to preserve. There's got to be corn in Egypt because I got a family that needs to come for life. That's the only purpose it was there. The grain of Egypt, one purpose, to preserve Israel. That's it. Fringe benefits, a lot of people got the fringe benefits. They received some corn. They received sustenance. But all God cared about was 66 people. That's all he really cared about. All the corn, all of this and all of that, just for them. That's it. God was working a whole lot of things, and a lot of people get a lot of benefits. I'll just jump to right even now. There was a ministry that came in this day. Amen. That same Joseph, the same son of man that came down in this day, whose ministry was here for one purpose. You. That's it. There's a lot of people that came around that ministry. Oh, my, they received a lot of things. But there's only one thing God was concerned about. He said, I got seed. I got bride that I must preserve. There's a famine in this land, and I got to make sure they make it through. Amen. Joseph, putting grain in the silo. My, if you go into the scripture... Just before, if I can find it, it says, Joseph gathered corn as much as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering. He was counting at some point. Well, we're just bringing in the grain. Bring in the grain. He's got his tally book out there. All right. All right. You know what? It must have gotten really thick, really thick of his tally book, and he's... Throw it away. There's just so much here. I can't even count it. But it just better be enough. It just better be enough because I got to preserve my life, the life of my people. I can just see as Joseph was in type, putting away in store, not putting it in the storehouse. And here Christ, if we jump forward a little bit in time, I can imagine the first time that he started to issue words of life. This was, this was the type over here. 
Joseph was putting in food into a storehouse. He was putting in natural bread into a storehouse so that natural Jacob, natural Israel could be sustained so they would not be, they would not be dying of hunger in a famine. But it was just a little bit later, just some hundred years down the road or so or more, and here there was some other bread going to be issued forth. There was a bread from heaven that was going to come out of a mouth of a man, of a man of God himself embodied in flesh because they said, I got bread. I got words of life. I got words of hope that I got to give out because it's not the natural body I must sustain. It's the spiritual body that I must sustain. I can imagine then just as that man, Christ Jesus, stepped in flesh and he started to issue just started to issue those words. Can you imagine being there at those very moments that we look in Scripture, but for the very first time? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This was words that were now being spoken that you were going to then receive that was going to sustain you in this wicked, famished land. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall obtain, shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst Amen. after righteousness. Amen. Can you imagine what that was for the very first time that those words were being spoken? and presented into the ether waves of time that they were going to then be put down in living scripture because they were words, not just words that were just going into just nothingness, but they were words that had power behind it. They were words that had life behind it. My words, his words were bread of heaven. And then it got pinned in a page so that you and I could read that. Say, oh God, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are they that are peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are, are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And word after word, line after line was penned in a page. It wasn't just so that the people said, oh, I feel good about that. It was because you and I needed to be nourished. We needed bread from heaven. He said, I am the bread from heaven. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna and are dead. This bread which came down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. Can you imagine him saying that and speaking that with such Maybe sweetness, maybe with authority, I don't really know. But what it got pinned down, it had living waters that came behind that. Oh, he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And the Jews strove. What is this he says? If you keep going down there, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. They said, this is a hard thing. I say they were in a famine themselves. They weren't here. They weren't here, and they were stuck in their traditions. It had gone through, they had gone through a lot of silent years themselves. If you go from Malachi all the way through, there was a lot of blank time, nothing. There was no word. There was no word. It was silent, silent years or so. And then a prophet came out, John the Baptist, and then Jesus Christ came out, and and they were in a famine time, just as we would be now. Yeah. 
And the Word made flesh, the bread of heaven himself, the feast of all feasts, was standing before them. Here he was, the feast of all. The Lord of the harvest was before them. The one that was going to give them the, the nourishment they needed for eternal life. This is a hard saying. What's he saying? And leaving him and all of that. Danger. That it doesn't happen again today. And we live in famine. There's so many famines nowadays. We've got famines of stability. There's no stability anywhere. The world's teetering on an edge. Politics are teetering on an edge. Homes are teetering on an edge. No stability. It's a famine of it. There's a famine of mothers. It's a famine of mothers. You know, I read an article, I think it was over 40% of those that were surveyed of young women. 40 plus percent had no desire for children. No desire for children. Famine of mothers. There's a famine of fathers too. There's a famine of men. There's a famine of women. They're everywhere in between. There's a famine for love. There's a famine. For, it's a famine-filled age. I would say, don't become accustomed to the famine. We become tolerant. We become acclimatized. Or maybe familiarized with the age we live in. It's all around us, and so we just kind of get used to it. And I can imagine if we, we lived in a famine-ridden area, we'd get used to it. We'd get used to the sights. We'd get used, oh, there's, a, there's a bodies there. They're barely living because they're, they're dying <clears throat> because of famine. And you just get used to it. Careful that we're not walking through this day and age of Laodicea, and we're just used to it. Oh, yeah, that young person, you know, he'd do whatever he wants to do. He's, he's living in the world and, and almost spiritually dead, but, yeah, it's okay, and we see lots of that now. It, it should not be. It should not be. We should be watching. No, that one is that one's in need. He looks like he's starving. He needs some food. He needs some bread of heaven. He needs the rivers of living water. How can I reach him? Oh, God, what can we do? Send a soul his way. Don't get just used to this and climatized to this day and age. Brother West spoke a service many years ago on spiritual sicknesses at camp. And he talked about how young people, or it was to young, obviously to camp, how you could be going through and you're going through different situations and, and, and you're living a certain life and you're maybe living in sin or you have this issue and this issue. And he talked about how in the natural realm you look at somebody that's all crippled or something like that and, and you know, with disease ridden and all and, and you're like, oh man, that, you know, what, 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 they have a great need. But he was really saying, well, what about, your, what about your spiritual need? And envision what you look like, your spiritual need. You're just as, 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 as maimed and just as in need in a spiritual way. It's the same way in a famine. We've got to recognize that we have starving, starving, famished people that are in this area, in this church, or in this area, or in this world for that matter, that imagine their state and what they look in. God, give us a burden for the spiritually starved. But Abraham talks about being in India in the 50s. He actually said he went home and he was just tore up inside. Took him time even to try and get over it. And he even talks about the things that he had to, had to see and it just tore him up. But this is living all around us spiritually. Yeah. 
all around us. You know what the worst hit? It's always the children. It's always the children. And that is the same spiritually. Parents, you watch your choices. You watch what you do in your home. You watch what you let in your home. You watch what you say in your home. You watch what your children interact with in your home. You watch what your children interact with at school. You watch what your, their friends are in school and out of school. I don't really care church school or not church school. It's because your children are the worst hit in a famine. They're the ones, their body spiritually cannot handle the lack thereof of nutrients. You got to make sure they get it first. You're an adult. You can handle maybe a little bit more. Watch for the little ones. That's who the devil's out to get in the first place. He wants to get our little ones. We get accustomed to the language around us. We get accustomed to the trans topics. We get accustomed to everything around us. We're just loose living. We get accustomed to, to the Hollywood. We get accustomed to the gaming. We get accustomed to the music. We just get accustomed to it, and it's a famine. And people are spiritually withering, withering away. I say, as Brother West said way back in that service, step back maybe and visualize the image of what your spiritual disease is and look at what you look like right now. That's what he was saying and paraphrasing and saying, you have a need, you have a spiritual need, you have something, he says, that's just, it's just as horrible looking maybe as some other natural disease. And I'd say, don't let Step back, if you may, tonight and say, what's my state? Am I in a state of spiritual starvation? What would I look like right now? Where would I be if I had to take a picture of me in my spiritual condition? Am I withered up? Am I almost just skin and frail bones? Am I a whisper of breath? Famine doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. It takes a little bit of time. To, to that to transpire, and then the famine steps in, and then the body gets impacted bit by bit, little by little. It's not a flash overnight. It's not how it works. It's not how Satan works. It's little by little. And spiritual starvation starts to creep in. Stage one. If it's a bad way to go naturally, it's a bad way to go spiritually. You just start infrequently reading your Bible. Maybe skip a little church. Just here or there, you know. Just a meal here or a meal there. A little bit of stage one. A little less spiritual glucose into your body so that you don't have that zest. You don't have that zeal. You don't have that passion. It's just kind of dragging. You're spiritually dragging. Who's dragged? Who's, who's needed a, a little pick-me-up before me? Yeah? yeah? Yeah, okay, like three or four of you, all right. You guys are on top of your game. No, apparently none of you need Red Bull or Monsters. That's fine, but you know you have those little five-hour punches or something like that. I've never had one, but I know they're there. You know, it, it needs something to, to kind of mm, give you some go. That, that, that's, this is stage one. You got none of that. You're just dragging. You're spiritually blah. Careful. You know, you can wheel yourself back pretty quick. It just takes a quick meal. It just takes you to get in the presence of God just one time. You just need to say, oh, I need to get into a message. 
Man, I haven't been in church like I should be. And immediately, hey, you ain't starving no more. You're not even on the brink. You're back to A game. Amen. It's an easy step back out of stage one starvation because it just takes that good meal, that good bread of heaven, that eternal word that can fill your spiritual vein and that spiritual glucose. Oh, my goodness. Boom. I'm ready. But if you don't do that, you're going to dip to stage two. And you get a little more hungrier. And those spiritual pangs start to come in your body. But what happens is the devil tries to fill that with something else. Just ignore that. I'm going to just fill it with your friends. I'm going to fill it with this activity that you shouldn't be doing. I'm going to fill it with this music here. There's some, there's some hunger and thirsting there, but I'm just going to play it out with my game. I'm going to do whatever. I got to, I'm going to plug it in some. He's going to put something there in front of you because he's trying to get you. I don't want you back to your A game. I'm sticking you in stage two because I got plans for three. And thinner, thinner, you just start to get... You're losing weight the bad way. I can tell you right now, there ain't no spiritual diet. All right? You can be the biggest honkingest person spiritually you ever want to be. It's not a bad thing. Maybe naturally, but not spiritually. You know, on stage two, spiritual starvation, you know, maybe I'll just get a little verse of the day. Just a little, just a, a little, you know, vitamin or something like that. Like that's, that's it. I'll, I'll just click my app. Oh yeah, verse. And that's good for the week. It's just a little bit to kind of dint something, but you're starving. And so it eats away at your spiritual fat is what happens. And you kind of get thinner and thinner. And then you hit into stage two, three, where he starts to eat away at your spiritual muscles because that's all that's left and so now the faith muscles that you have that you've built up now start to get eaten away and it starts to whittle at the faith that you have in Christ Jesus it's there those faith burly muscles that you should have they just start to get withered away and withered away and you get weaker and weaker and weaker and you soon don't have nothing the devil comes at you like yeah Zippo. There's nothing. You got no strength. He can hit you and hit you and you're down. And you lift your little head up because you're just so weak and he whap knocks you again. You lift your little head up and whap knocks you again because you got Zippo. And you eventually become skin and bone spiritually. And unless God comes and steps in on the scene, you can't fight infection. You can't fight the spiritual viruses, the spiritual bacteria in your body has just failed away spiritually, and you're starving, starving. It's a slippery slope. Samson was there. He just got tied into the world. But Abraham says, Samson, as long as he was in the company of the Lord's people, he did all right. But when he got flirting with bad company, then he got in trouble. Then he got in trouble when he started to flirt with bad company. And I can tell you that's the same way, whether in Samson or whether now, you start flirting with the wrong things, start stepping in the wrong crowd, listening to the wrong stuff. It's just starting to whittle away at your spiritual body. Beware, son or daughter of God. You're going to be in Delilah's lap before you know it. 
Can I turn a little page? I'm going to take like a right angle on you. Sometimes, God's people that are strong, you feel like you're in a famine. You say, well, I don't quite understand, Brother Michael. Brother Branham says, I'm going to talk about the little woman of Zarephath. And she was in a famine. He says, you know, and if you're sure that you're born of the Spirit of God and you have the Holy Ghost and the promises of God is yours, I don't care what the devil does. I don't care. You can still rest assured. Faith takes its unmovable stand. Faith cannot rest upon shifting sands of men's theology, but it takes a solemn stand on the rock of ages, which is unmovable, and there it rests. How sick I get, how contrary it looks, how this is, my faith is anchored within the veil, and nothing can move me. Therein lies the difference between a spiritually wasted away body and a spiritually strong body. Come what may, come what circumstance, it can't put, it can't, you can't do a knockout blow because it doesn't matter what's all around. Inside, they're anchored. They're spiritually solid. Their bodies are spiritually nourished to take the circumstances that come at them. And this was the widow of Zarephath in a famine. And here she was in the worst off. But I'll just say this first. In a famine like this, or where you feel you're in a famine of, of circumstance in your life, I will say, don't wander off like Naomi. Naomi was driven out because of famine, Brother Branham said. He said, and he went to the Moabites, and we know what the Moabites were from. They were so-called Christians and mixed with paganism, Brother Branham said, leaving. He said, supposedly to be Christians, but he said, leaving the promised land, no matter how bad it was. That's what he said. He said, and see, leaving the promised land, no matter how bad it was to sojourn over in another land, brought trouble. Don't go wandering off where God has placed you. I don't care where you are, naturally, spiritually. I'm not talking, I'm talking spiritually tonight. Because there's battles in the promised land. Yes, there were. There's going to be lots of battles. Possessing land was not easy and isn't easy. But don't move off into some other idea or some other thought or some other, somebody's other thought because you think, well, you know, I don't know if this is working. i got to go over here and do this kind of thing. Never. Naomi got into trouble there. Stay where God put you. He said, and any time a believer gets off his God-given ground, he said many times in politics, he even talks about the election then. He said, he said, he'll, he goes, a good man, good man, he'll wander off those grounds. He goes, a certain minister went to be a mayor, he said, and he got off his ministerial grounds and Satan overtook him. You watch it. Even going to a certain job, you get off your grounds where God placed you because you're maybe looking for, oh, that's got better pay. But it's really not where God wants you and you're off your grounds and Satan's got his eyes on you. He said, if any Christian gets off those grounds, well, I'll just go down tonight and sit, a, sit off in the pool room or something like that. And that seems pretty drastic. Well, I'll never go in the pool room. I mean, I'll never go down to the bar. That's the drastic side. But what if so subtle? He said, you're only setting your course for trouble. So just because some hard times come, may your roots just go deep. 
And the widow of Zarephath, she hadn't run nowhere. And she was in a place that God had ordained. Scripture says, Arise, to Elijah, he said, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. But Abraham says, Oh my, this little lady, how much she have felt. She was in a desperate time. She, but she said, he says, I've met every requirement that Jehovah gave. That was her anchor. I've been living in the Word. I've been feasting on the manna that shall never run dry. I've done everything God has told me. My sin is under the blood. I'm a Holy Ghost-filled son and daughter of God. That's what she was feasting on. That's what she was telling herself. Circumstances were brutal for her, but she said, I've done everything Jehovah has given me. I meant everything God told me to do. The barrels down, though, oh, just one little handful of meal and the cruise. It's, it's just two little spoons of oil. But he, listen, God was setting. And angels were on every bedpost watching to see how she would react. Angels on every bedpost. They're just looking. What's she going to do? What's she gonna, she's in a famine in her world. Her circumstances, it's a dearth. But she's saying, oh, no, my Jehovah. I followed everything he's told me to do. But he will supply my every need. It doesn't matter. I will not waver. And the angels are like, yeah, that's a daughter of God. You see what she's saying? You see her stand? Oh, Satan's pouring the dearth on. He's pouring the famine on. One little spoonful, huh? One little bit of meal. See what you do now. Night after night, she went through each little, all this famine, whittling her little stores down and nothing. Oh, mama, my belly is hurting. I need some more food, mama. Oh, you don't know how that would have tore to mommy's heart. She's breaking off. She's probably nibbling one little bite and giving the rest to her little one. She's taking the smalls. He was fading away naturally. She was fading away naturally, but I can tell you spiritually, she was warrior strong. He said it was just little bit by little bit. It was all she needed, God. Let this sink in deep into the people's heart. You may be down to your last handful. I've heard people say, I don't have very much faith. You may be said that. I don't know, I don't got a little, I just don't got enough faith, God. But Abraham, but what you've got, it's, if it's real faith, mix it with God's word, that's, look what it'll do. He said, well, but Abraham, I've been to every doctor, I've been to every clinic, I've joined churches for my sins, I've done that. I can't help what you've done, he said. You've got enough faith to be out here tonight. You've got enough faith to be in church tonight. Mix it with a little bit, he said. Mix it with the word and get ready. Get ready, something's fixing to happen. Oh, my little did she know what was going on. She didn't know what was happening, but her faith was mixing with the word of God. She starts stirring together. That's the only thing between her and death. That may be the only thing left for you tonight. It might be the only thing between you and death is that little spirit that you can muster up in your heart to believe it. He said, mix it with the eternal word of God. Oh, my. Just a little bit. Just a teeny bit. He said, I got only one little morsel. Just start to mix it. Mix it with the word of God. Watch what will happen tonight. He said, well, another night. No, tonight. He says, I can see her pull a little ragged curtain back. She'd look in the bedroom, 
And these little boys holding his stomach. Oh, mama, mama, are you going to cook that little cake? Last cake. He says, break it, break it in half, mama. We can, oh, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. She goes outside now, and she's looking. She's looking for two little sticks. She's got a little cake mix ready there. Now I, I need some sticks. I need to build a little fire for my last little cake. She goes outside. There's no leaves nowhere. There's no grass nowhere. The, the big old tree that used to stand there, it's all gone. It's gone to nothing. And just standing right there on the ground, or laying right there, is just the last that's two little sticks that she just picks up, Butter Bram said. She takes those two little sticks. He says, what is it then? Oh, he says, it's the self-sacrifice. When you've mixed the word with the spirit, then you're ready to sacrifice yourself on the cross of Calvary. He says, and you're ready to say, oh, God, whether I live or die, I've done everything I know to do, and I'm coming to the peak of mercy. Oh, God, may you, if you're there tonight, say, oh, I'm on the cross of self-sacrifice. I've done everything, God, I know to do. I'm sacrificing my own believing. I, I'll not think of it anymore. I'll not reason it anymore. I'm casting out reasoning. I'll just believe it. Lord, because it's your meal, your oil, your spirit, and your word, and your truth, he said. And I'm throwing myself on the cross. My what a picture tonight. And she picks up those two little, two little sticks there on the ground as we've just dramatized, and she starts to turn. And then a voice starts speaking out. It says, fetch me some water. Oh, some water? Oh, in her mind, I only got like the littlest amount left. Oh, but Brother Bram says she looked at this man. He says, oh, he must be a man of God. He says, there's something there. He says, when son and daughter of God, he said, there's just something there. This must be a good man of God. He says, okay, I'll get you some water. And he says, then she turned to go. And she said, oh, my goodness. And, then, and bring me a cake. A cake? But I've only got a little bit of meal. And I can imagine a lot of things going in her mind. I don't know. Can I give my all? I just want to maybe hold this one little thing. This is my, this is just for me and my, my son. I, maybe I'll just hold this little part back. I can't give all. I can't give everything. I mean, I, I could sacrifice most, but just not this area. Can I just have a cake? God's saying, no, I need everything. You know, I don't even have a cake. I just got some simple meal and some oil. You know, she says, I have not a cake, Scripture says, but a handful of meal and a barrel, a little oil and a cruise. I'm just gathering two sticks. And I may go and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. He says, bring me one first. Oh, my. I know you read the Scripture. You're like, yeah, that's what Scripture says. Come on. She was a mama. And here's a man that she don't even know. And he's saying, you bring me a cake first. Oh, you're saying you're going to go die with your little boy? Just bring me the cake first. And then go die. That's what he said. Just in a matter of words. 
Look, she didn't have to go down and get her last penny. She didn't have to go down and get her last. She had, but Abraham says, not a last penny. She didn't have to go down and get some money. She went down to go get her last piece of bread. She didn't have to go. Have to go for this or that or maybe go change doctors or go for some insignificant thing. But she had to go to the only thing that stood between her and death and her child. Bring me a little cake first in your hand and I can see your nod her head. Obedient. That's what God requires, Brother Brandon said. You get the word and the spirit mixed together. Self-sacrifice, obedience. And when God's prophet says a certain thing, do it. Oh, my. And then he says, hold on to it. Amen. Hold on to it. Amen. And so here she starts to nod her head. She said, all right, I'll do that. Water and the cake. Oh, God, whatever you say. I don't understand it at all. I'm just going to lay myself at the altar of sacrifice. I'm going to give everything. I, I've tried everything, but I haven't given maybe this one area, and I'm going to let it go now because you asked me. And she turned to go, oh, in the sweetest words, I'm sure that she'd ever heard. Because she turned to go to do, to do what she, she had been bidden to do. And she, then he said, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, and neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day the Lord God sendeth rain. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and her house, and did eat Many days. It was a feast in time of famine. If you lay yourself at the altar, you say, oh God, I give you my all. I don't care the, the circumstances. I'll tell you, if you can feed on the word of God, it's a feast. A feast in the midst of Laodicea. It's a feast in the middle of this darkest age of gross darkness. But you can feed on the body word of God. And you say, I'm in a feast. And it will never Never run dry. Hallelujah. My goodness, my, we might be in a famine of famines here. Oh, my, but a fully surrendered son or daughter of God will never, never thirst. You know, I'm way over my time. But Brother Abraham says, but when you're put under a test, when you're fixing to be used by God, he says, for a testimony. Oh, my. He talks about pipes being tested. God wanted to see if you're pressure tested. And he puts pressure in a test. Ben, you would know all about this. And he tests, wants to test the valves and all this and make sure that this thing don't blow. And so he puts his children in a test, in a test. And so you wonder maybe why you're in such a terrible time. You're wondering why you're in, oh my goodness, it seems like a famine in my life. You just may be under a test. He's just seeing if you can, if you can stand the pressure. Because Brother Branham says, he says, and they that could not stand the test, throw it in the scrap heap. Uh-uh, but a son or daughter of God that's feasting on the manna, they're going to stand every test, every trial. And he says, when you're put under that test, like a lady here, he says, in a wheelchair, or that little boy, or some of you people, maybe you're Christians, and wonder, why am I under this test? Right. He said, God is fixing to use your testimony. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
I thought, my, what greater honor could there be? What greater honor could there be over the woman of Zarephath to be heralded through the ages of a little lady who had her crews never run dry because she laid it all down and she sacrificed her all for a man of God following the word of God and she never died. And she's lifted up as a testimony. God lifted her up and said, she stood the test. She stood the test. I put her through a lot of PSI, some major pressure, but she stood it all. God wants to know to how you react, so he puts the pressure on. Amen. He can't do nothing with you, but if you'll hold on, stand the test. Amen. Stand the test, saints. There is a famine, but we're not starving. I must end it here. Job stood the test and went through wicked famine. I thought of Lazarus, the one of the gates of the rich young ruler. My goodness, you think his life was good. Mm -mm. All of you would have rather the rich young ruler's lifestyle. Just be honest. Just be honest. You say, well, uh, the rich young ruler, and he had all his possessions, and he was a good man. But you mean Lazarus, who stood at his, or laid at his gate full of sores, and the dogs came by and licked him? Licked his sores? Hmm. Y yes. Yes. Because the feast that he partook of, he might have had a famine in his natural state. But spiritual state, that man was strong in the Lord. And then and it came to his time to pass on. There he was in Abraham's bosom. There he was at rest and at peace. He said, those sores mean nothing. In fact, they're forgotten. Because now I'm here in eternity with Abraham. And the rich and ruler said, oh my goodness. Can you just send him and give me a drop? He was in famine forever. I want to tell you, your feast is here. Your feast is here. We've been given a message. We've been given a word in this day that will sustain us. I don't care if you're Job. I don't care if you're Lazarus. I don't care if you're the, the widow of Zarephath. I don't care who you are. Your feast is here. It will sustain you if you just partake of it. Amen. You've got to feed on it or you're going to starve. It's inexhaustible, it's immeasurable, it's a bountiful supply. It's not for lack. It's not for lack of quantity. It ain't for lack of quality. It's for lack of drawing on it. Luke 17:30 says, "As it was in the day of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man." Amen. He said. When he came in Matthew 5 and he started to give the Beatitudes and he started to speak words of life and he spoke the words of John, spoke the words of Luke. He was a son of man and he was issuing forth. He says, I am the bread. I am the life. You need to partake of me. My blood is, the, is life to you. And he starts speaking and that was, the, that was the feast of feasts. But he says, 
<laughs> there will come a time just down the road I'm going to reveal myself again as son of man and your feast is coming again I'm going to manifest myself in the end time because the famine will be wretched the famine will be terrible and I'm going to unleash a word I'm going to unleash my words that are bread living bread for my people Oh my, it may be the darkest age. It may be the wretchedest age. But he says, my elect will never beg. My elect can never beg. I will never see the righteous forsaken. I'm going to give a bountiful word. I'm going to unleash. I'm going to actually unveil myself. He unveiled himself to us in this day so that you can never say I didn't have enough food. I was starving. In Laodicea, it was so dark. I was feeding and it just wasn't ever enough. Never! Never! I said, run to the storehouse tonight. Physicians want you to come. Run to the storehouse. Take a check. You say, can I see skin? Can I see my bones spiritually? Do I need food? Say, oh, your Joseph is here. Your Joseph has been filling the storehouse. He took those years of plenty and he filled it up. He says, I got to get them full. Different city after different city. I got to fill the storehouse because there's going to be a time of great famine. They're going to need to come and get some food. You know that Jacob and Israel... They didn't actually pay for it. Their money got put back in. Egypt got plundered. <laughs> you know the fringe? They got plundered. Because they brought all their money and he took it. And then they couldn't do that so they gave him all their cattle and he took it. And then they didn't have cattle so they gave land and he took it. Uh, well, not you. No, not you. He says, no, freely. Freely I give it to you. What do you need, my little bride? What do you need? Do you need to come by with me? Come by with me, oh, come by with me, because I got it for you. You need, you need comfort? I got comfort for you. Do you need strength? Yes, I'm going through a terrible situation. I got strength for you. Do you need healing? There's healing in this body. Yeah, I got that for you too. I bore it on my back. Everything you have need of, everything, and it's free, completely free. You don't have nothing to do. Just accept it. Just accept it tonight. Why don't we stand? Whatever your need is, whatever your cry is, say, Lord Jesus, I am coming to the storehouse. I'm coming to the granary of God because I need, I need sustenance. Oh, God. Oh, saints, don't miss. Don't miss this message. Brother Bram says, I love the quote. He says, I wish I could read it all. But he says, I wasn't the one that appeared on the river. I was only standing there. I was not the one that performed these things. I was not the one. He says, I was only near when he does. I'm only a voice that he used. He says, oh no, it's the manifestation of the Son of Man. It wasn't the angel. His message, it was the mystery that God unfolded. It's not a man. We're not following a man. We're following the God that stepped into the vessel. He said, I'm he said, it's, the, it's a messenger from the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Christ. He's the one feed, you're feeding on. You're not feeding on man. His words were fail. My words were fail. Your words were fail. 
But he said, you're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. What a feast. What a feast. Look no further, saints. Look no further. The storehouse is open. The storehouse is open. Let's bow our heads. I don't even know how to close. I try and write some songs down. And sometimes you don't know how a service goes or whatever. I know it's Wednesday night. Oh, but my heart is just so aching. My heart is aching. I don't want one person. I don't want one person. If I could put my spiritual glasses on tonight and I could look her on over this audience, I say, oh God, I don't want to see one little skinny, skinny, shriveled up spiritual body. Oh, if there's that one, if there's one little body that needs the strength and sustenance of your word, I say, lift your hands to him, lift your hearts to him. Whatever you need, just call on him. Don't call to me. Don't call to me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm calling on the Son of Man. He's the body that I need to feast on. That's the bread that I need tonight. We've feasted on vindication. We've had a vindicated message. And we've feasted on it. We've feasted on so much. I say, oh God. Would you just tear into the word tonight? Let's just sing sweetly. Brother Ryan is playing. Set your wings tonight on the wings of faith. That's what that little widow had to do. It was all faith. What's your need now? Let's sing that now. Oh, what's your need? Sing to him.
challenges in my notes. Sometimes you say, maybe I am, Lord, I'm a little bit starved. I'm in one of those stages somewhere, and I was just thinking of someone that's maybe, you know, when you're starving, you can't take a full dose of something. You can't take some very rich stuff. You get actually really sick. And so I just pondered, you know, the bride might that you have a palate, but if you're coming in those stages, God's got a word for you. He's got a word for every stage to bring you back to full strength. Maybe someone you're just, oh, I'm just very weak, or I'm just, I'm just a new believer. I, I'm actually a sinner, but I'm needing something. And so God's word, it just has a little, it just has a little bit to say, you know, maybe a little Acts 238. What must I do? What must I do? And so God just gives you a little bit of sustenance. Well, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. And then I'm gonna pour myself into you. Oh, that's so good. And so it just gives you a little more strength. But there's some others. You've gone much deeper in the word. And so then he says, oh, you may be walking through some desperate times. He says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be right beside you. I'll comfort you. And so you take that word. He says, oh, that's, that's sweet nectar to my bones. Oh, but maybe someone says, I have a greater need. I need all. So he says, well, I got Mark 16 for you. If you ask anything in my name, if you need this mountain to be moved, I will move it if you just believe in me. Oh, you say, oh, yes, that's the word I need. Maybe it's somebody who says, uh, but oh, I need something even richer because, uh, oh, you're predestinated. You're called. Whom that I justified, I will also glorify. Oh, but maybe it says, I, I give you some more. That's what's starting to build me up in your work. God's got everything. So I say, whatever you need, there's something little in there for you. If you're like, I'm so weak, I need a little bit of milk. I just need some, a little bit of word. He has that for you. He's out for you tonight. So don't miss. Don't miss the nourishment that God has for you. We have a little need in our hand. Our little Noah, Noah Motley was baptized last week. And Satan had roared. And he's in the hospital right now. I have in my notes. Brother Branham, he's dealing with a boy with epilepsy. He brings Brother Charlie Cox's son. Talks to Brother Charlie Cox. He has a son named Larry who had epilepsy. And he said, God delivered him. And there's a man now coming up with a boy who has epilepsy. He says, Dear God, help him. I pray that your mercy and your grace will be upon him and bless him. In Jesus' name. That's his prayer. He say, oh my, he needs to come with authority. And he needs to scream it out. No, the devil knew who was in authority. It wasn't by power of speech. It was by who he represented. And we represent the king of glory tonight. And we have a little one. That Satan is trying to attack. So now our burden is, Lord, confirm your word. You are the same God. You are the same one that saved Charlie Cox's son. 
You are the same one that changed, changed this man's son. He says, now go back to Louisiana, happy and praise him. Oh yeah. He said he was from Louisiana around Lake Charles. Sure, I can catch your thoughts now. Someone was disbelieving. Someone was disbelieving that he had just rebuked that demon and that he was saved. And oh, he just guessed that. He says, uh-uh, he was from Louisiana. That's our God. Let's bring this knee before our Lord tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are uniting our heart with our little precious brother Noah. Oh God, you knew before the foundation of earth, before the foundation of this world, that this need would be brought here at this very moment. Lord, and how even in my own quotes was a little one that was in need of a touch from the master. He, was, he had epilepsy, Lord. He had these fits, as Brother Brandon was talking about. But Lord, many times you dealt with this demon. You dealt with this demon. Your prophet dealt with this demon. Lord, you have given us the authority. Lord, in, uh, in our word, that we could speak anything. Lord, in your name, believing what we ask for. Oh, God. Lord, would you just drop in, into our hearts, Lord, the faith. Satan, we bind you and rebuke you in Jesus Christ's name. It's not by our power. It's not by our voices. It's not by the intensity of it. But it's by the God that stands behind our prayer. Our God said that our prayer is the strongest weapon that we have against you. You might try and belittle our weapon. It's because you are afraid of it. It's because you tremble at it. For when we get on our knees and we bow our head, you're wondering, oh, what are they going to say? What attack are they going to come against my kingdom? Brace yourselves, demons, for they're on their knees tonight. I say in the name of God and the authority of God's word, brace yourself, devil, devil, for our prayers is coming against your kingdom that we unite as a body tonight. Oh, God, not just for our brother Noah, but for our brother Milko, for our sister Ella, for those that are under cancer demons, Lord, arthritis demons, we'll stand, Lord Jesus, until I have no more breath. I'll stand, Lord, believing, maybe to my last morsel of faith, Lord, even as the widow. But Lord, at that moment, you stepped in. So would you step on the scene tonight, Lord? Go into little Noah's room. Comfort his parents, Lord. May they feel a presence of God. Step into that little room, Lord. And Lord, he said, oh, they could just sense he's here. He's come now. All is well. We commit this into your name, our lovely name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Move and stir, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. Let's just sing that sweetly. Oh, fill my cup.
Father, Lord, in His presence, Lord. I pray, Lord, that every one of our hearts, Lord, are lifted up. Because, Lord, you could fill every one of our cups tonight. Surely there's not even one person that wouldn't lift it up and say, Lord, even if my cup is full, I just want you to pour in more. More of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, tonight, I know it's Wednesday. Lord, we'll just, Lord, let the people linger as they desire, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that those maybe that their hearts are stirred by your word, Lord, they would respond to you, oh God. Let no one walk out, Lord, in any stage of starvation. But may they feast tonight, Jesus, like they've never feasted before. For you are the bread of heaven. We commit each soul into your hand. Commit our people, Lord, to you. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen, Lord. Amen. You're dismissed. It is sweet. Sing. If you desire to stay, you can do so. If you need to pray, you can do so. Don't leave until you know God is finished with you tonight. Amen. And here satisfied that he spoke to you amen maybe just as we go and we can linger just say come to my soul precious jesus my lord oh come amen sweetie you're dismissed oh precious jesus
That's our heart's desire tonight, oh God. Lord, that the fire of God would fall upon each one of us, Lord. Lord, we don't want no starchy church, Lord. Lord, we want a Lord Jesus, a fire-filled zeal life, oh God, for you. Bless your people tonight, Lord, as we linger and just worship in your presence, Lord. Do as you desire in our lives. Burn the dross. Consume the sacrifices, Lord. Fill our hearts, oh God, with a joy never-ending. Hallelujah. Pour your spirit, Lord, out upon us, Lord. Pour your spirit, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pour your spirit out on me, Brother Ryan. Pour your spirit out on me. Pour your spirit out on 